This week is a week that used to be so big in the Catholic Church around the world that it was one of the highest points of the entire church calendar, and now we've almost completely forgotten about it. Right now, we are in the octave of All Saints Day. And from November 1st to November 8th, we just don't hear enough about this. And we got to go back to what we have been doing in the church since the first century. And that is praying for our deceased loved ones to help them. We're the only ones that can help them. Even the saints can't help them like we can because they have the power to empty purgatory. Now, one of the biggest misconceptions uh, in the entire church on any teaching and theology is indulgences. And I did a talk on uh, indulgences a couple times, and you can find that online. But I want to explain why Catholics since the first century have been doing prayers for the dead. First of all, the Jews believed that it was a wholesome and holy thought to pray for the dead so that their sins may be forgiven. Well, Father, that's not in Scripture to pray for the dead. Actually, it is. It's in the book of Maccabees, chapter 12, I think. And this is in Scripture. Now, Maccabees is a book that was in the original canon. This was in the original Old Testament. As you've heard me say before, Catholics didn't add it. Martin Luther removed it. And so we know that this is scriptural. Now, <clears throat> as I said, from the first century, the church has prayed for the dead. We have evidence of this, writings of this. But there is a tendency among non-Catholic Christians to think of their sin as having only one consequence. Guilt and the possibility of hell. You're guilty of sin, and you may go to hell. For them, there's no purgatory. So if you have no sin, you go to heaven. So there's no consequence to sin there, because you're good, you go to heaven. But for them, there's only one consequence. You're guilty of sin, you go to hell. Now, if that guilt is forgiven, you will go to heaven. So they're not saying you never sin. But if you are guilt of sin, you're guilty. If that is forgiven, you will go to heaven. If not, you will go to hell. There's no in-between. The problem is this is an incomplete view. So let's go back to seminary. Because this was a big thing we discussed in seminary was for the priest to be able to explain the grace and the guilt of sin. Now, the grace of forgiveness and the guilt of sin. Now, Scripture tells us that guilt is not the only result of sin. What do I mean by that? That you're either forgiven or not. And if you're forgiven, go on your way. Don't worry about it. Jesus did it all on the cross. Scripture does not say that. Christ did it all on the cross to forgive your sin. But Scripture does not say that's it. What do I mean? Scripture tells us that guilt is not the only result of sin. The book of Hebrews says God still rebukes and disciplines his children 
in order to produce holiness in them, stating, quote, that he disciplines us for our own good, that we may share his holiness. This is Hebrews 12. What about David and Moses? You remember them? David sinned with Bathsheba, right? Did God forgive him? Yeah. But did he say, okay, David, go on your way. Now have a nice day. No. David was consequence of his sin as his firstborn child had to die. Moses. Did Moses sin? Yes. He pounded on the rock, showed impatience, didn't trust in God. Did God say, okay, you're forgiven? Yes, God forgave him. But did God say, okay, Moses, now you can go into the Holy Land? No. What happened? Moses was not allowed in the Holy Land. Sin is forgiven, but it doesn't end there. There are consequences to sins, even that we've been forgiven of. Although Jesus paid the price for our sins on the cross, he did. He did not relieve our obligation to repair the damage that we have done. Even non-Catholics, Christians, acknowledge that if you steal someone's car, you took it, you got to give it back. Well, Father, what if I wrecked it? Then you got to give something back. You got to pay for it. You just don't, it's not enough just to say, well, I repented. Sorry. No. Where does that fly? That's, that makes no sense. I steal your car. I either got to give it back or if I destroyed it, I got to give you retribution. Now, as the owner of the car, you can forgive me. But I can't just look at you and say, I'm sorry, and, you know, let me go on my way. No, I owe back. What Christ did on the cross was forgive the sin. He did not relieve us of the consequence to repair the damage. Even forgiven people, if you've been forgiven, you still die. And so there may be some penalty remaining for our sins even after we've been forgiven if we haven't atoned for them. That's the whole purpose of penance. When you go into the confessional and you receive a penance, the whole purpose of penance, confession is so beautiful because you are forgiven of the sin. But once you are forgiven, does the priest say you can go now? No, he says your penance is. Have you ever thought about why you're given a penance? Because not only are you forgiven of the sin, but you're given a penance so that you can atone for the consequence of the sin you have done. It's amazing but we don't understand it. Now, there are consequences of sin that come to us in this world, all right? If somebody murders another person, they just say, well, I'm sorry, I was having a bad day. Does the judge say, well, that's enough for me? No, you're going to prison until you've paid the last penny. And guess what? That is scriptural. You will be put in prison until you have paid the last penny. Now, in confession, the eternal punishment for sin, a.k.a. hell, you've heard me say this before, is gone. Now, what about the temporal punishment? Now, most likely, that remains. Because when someone repents, 
God removes the guilt. He forgives you. If you say, Lord, I am truly sorry. Scripture tells us, Isaiah 1, chapter 1, verse 18, that when someone repents, God removes his guilt. You are forgiven, and the eternal punishment is gone. That is Romans chapter 5, verse 9, giving you everything that I've been learning from seminary. And this is our Catholic faith. So Romans 5, 9 says the eternal punishment is gone. But what about the temporal punishment? The temporal penalties may remain. Let's go back to David. This is 2 Samuel 12, 13. Nathan answered David, the Lord on his part has forgiven your sin. You shall not die. Most non-Catholic Protestants will stop right there. You've been forgiven. You have to do no more. Well, let's read what else Nathan says to David. But since you have utterly spurned the Lord by this deed. Notice he said you're forgiven. Notice Nathan said, David, God forgives you. But he doesn't stop. He says, since you have utterly spurned the Lord by this deed, the child born to you must surely die. It's not that God is vengeful. It's because there are consequences to our sins. And we need to make penance and reparation. And if somebody has died without making full penance or reparation, they are suffering in purgatory. We need to help them. And I'm about ready to tell you what you can do October, excuse me, November 1st through November 8th during this octave that's amazing. So even though we are forgiven, the stain of sin may remain. It's kind of like the wound heals, but the scar remains. When you sin, you scar the body of Christ. You wound the body of Christ. In the confessional, that wound is healed, but the scar remains. We must atone. We must repair the damage we did to the body of Christ. You know, I always compare it to the broken window. You've heard my example. The father tells the son, don't play baseball in the yard. You're going to break the window and cause damage to the house. And the dad leaves for work. The boy plays the ball. The friends come over. They play ball. Soon enough, the ball goes through the window, breaks the window. The boy realizes, I did wrong. He's sorry. The dad comes home, sees the broken window. The boy really is sorry. Does the dad forgive him? Yes, the father forgives him. But does the father say, now, son, go enjoy the rest of your baseball game? No. A good father says, son, I love you. I forgive you. But you're grounded. You got to pay for that window out of your allowance. Because you disobeyed. I love you. But that is loving discipline. Not relieving all consequences. That's the reason we're in the mess we are today in our culture. The last few generations have not been held accountable. And, and there's been no consequence to sin. The things I see that are being done now in schools with kids, the way they talk to their teachers, and the things that they do right in front of teachers doing drugs and looking at pornography on their phones, right in front of the teachers, no consequences whatsoever. That's where we've lost. And so what does all this mean? Well, <clears throat> An indulgence is a gift of the church to help. 
a plenary indulgence. An indulgence is defined as the remission of the penalty, the punishment due for sins already forgiven. Just like David, I forgive you, but your firstborn son has to die. Now, if we want to avoid, God is so merciful, he doesn't want us to have to have the punishment. So he gives the authority to the church, and the church gives the authority to say that if you, are for, you go to confession, you've been forgiven of the sin, you can even be forgiven of the punishment. This is called an indulgence, the remission of the penalty due to sins already forgiven in the confessional. Now, we can do this for ourselves or a holy soul. Scripture tell us, tells us, you know, one of my most common complaints on the YouTube comments is I follow God, not men. I follow God, not the church. The church was established by God. Well, I don't follow men. Men have no authority. Really? Did you ever read Matthew 9, 8? Matthew 9, 8 in scripture tells us that God gave his authority to men, Christ's ministers, the church. So God gave his church the power to forgive sin in the confessional. Where do you hear that, Father? Matthew 16, 18, Matthew 6, no, no, I'm sorry, Matthew 16, 19, Matthew 18, 18, John 20, 23. You know that I've said it before many times, whose sins you forgive are forgiven, whose sins you retain are retained. If God gave the authority to his church to forgive sin, why can't he also give the church the authority to forgive the punishment? He did. St. Faustina wrote to us that Jesus said, quote, this is Diary 1226 that Thomas is going to read at the end of communion. The souls in purgatory are greatly loved by me. This is Jesus talking to Faustina. They are making retribution to my justice. It is in your power to bring them relief. Draw all the indulgences from the treasury of my church. Wow, we have a great power given to us by God to help our neighbor. So why do I bring all this up? In the first week of November, today, in November, from November 1st to November the 8th, this is the octave of All Saints Day. When was All Saints Day? November 1st, day one of the octave, November 1st. Second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, the eight day octave, November 1st to November 8th. We are in it right now. The church says, that has given a means for you to gain a plenary indulgence for the holy souls. How? You visit a cemetery. We have one right here on our grounds at the National Shrine. Visit a cemetery and pray for the dead during this octave. Any prayer, chaplet of divine mercy is great. You can do this. This is powerful. You can also do a big four plenary indulgences any day of the year. It doesn't have to be just a cemetery. You know, doing the uh, half hour of scripture, half hour of adoration, praying the rosary inside church, chapel, or oratory, or with another person, or walking the stations of the cross. But especially for the holy souls in purgatory, this one, visiting the, the cemetery November 1st through the 8th, is a forgotten practice. We used to do this all the time. We, 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 indulgences, you know, they can... 
they can help our loved ones that are suffering right now for sins they did not properly atone for. But I finish with this. Like anything else, they can be used for the good or the bad. I don't know how many comments people put on there about how wretched the church is because thank God for the Protestants because otherwise the church was selling indulgences. Well, first of all, anything can be used for the good or the bad. Pick anything. Computer. Is a computer good or bad? Depends on how you use it. If you're watching us right now on the computer and the sacrifice of this mass moves your heart to turn back to God, the computer is a beautiful thing. But after this, if you shut off our live stream and you go to pornography and you look at that on the computer, it is used for a bad thing. Very same thing, the computer. Same with an indulgence. An indulgence can be used for the good or bad. The Catholic Church does not now, nor has it ever approved the sale of indulgences. This is a false anti-Catholic propaganda. Now, it is true that there was a Dominican, Johann Tetzel, who did sell indulgences. But he was a rogue. He acted contrary to explicit church regulations. Yes, have there been examples of it? Yes. Has somebody used a knife to kill somebody? Yes. But does that make all knives bad? No. Because some priests misused indulgences or even bishops doesn't make indulgences bad. It's a grace given to us. The Council of Trent issued a decree that gave the church teaching on indulgences and provided strict guidelines to eliminate abuse. That doesn't mean everybody's going to follow it. In 1967, Pius VI reiterated Catholic teaching on indulgences and added new reforms so you can be guaranteed of the grace. These are not rules or regulations. These are extra credit of grace. I, I, I told the story before when I was at a, a mission and I was selling books at the table and signing books and giving books away and having free pamphlets. And this guy comes up out of the blue and he says, you know the problem with the Catholic Church? Indulgences. I'm so sick and tired of a bunch of rules and regulations. First of all, indulgences are not rules and regulations. There's no teaching of the church that you have to do a plenary indulgence. You know what a plenary indulgence is? It's extra credit of grace. I was struggling in college. The only class I really, really, I, I, I just could not grasp it was electromagnetism. Could not, could not just, at the time I could not grasp it. And I was struggling and, and, and I, I didn't do well on my first exam. And I was worried about not doing well in the class. I wanted to remain in the engineering program. I was struggling greatly with electromagnetism. And I went to the teacher and I said, listen, I, I'm worried. I'm worried about my grade. He says, well, listen, write this paper on this topic and I'll give you some extra credit. Now, was that a rule? Was that a regulation? Did he come to me and say, you have to do this? No, I was just not in really good shape. So the guy gave me extra credit opportunity if I wanted it. This is a plenary indulgence. Some of our souls are not in good shape. Some of the souls after death in purgatory are not in good shape. 
The church offers an extra credit of grace to say, if you want to help this soul, you can do this. You want to help yourself, you can do this. This is a special grace. Not a rule, not a regulation, but a grace the church has forgotten about. And for what it's worth, with my big mouth, I'm trying to shout it out to the rooftops. Let's do this for the holy souls from November 1st. I should do it every day, but especially today. God bless you. Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you. Please follow or subscribe to this podcast to receive the latest episodes and updates. If you have been blessed by this podcast, I invite you to leave a review. Reviews greatly improve our podcast ranking and will help spread this podcast to other people throughout the world. Are you enjoying this podcast? I invite you to listen to more shows brought to you by the Marian Fathers of the Immaculate Conception. Join us daily for enriching spiritual content, which will help you on your journey with Jesus Christ. Simply visit DivineMercyPlus.org for a complete list of our shows. That's DivineMercyPlus.org. Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you.